Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in career development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and I'm committed to bringing you ideas and resources that will enhance your professional development plan. Well, speaking of enhancing your professional development plan in the nonprofit sector, I'm excited to announce the release of my book this week, also titled Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership. It is available through all of the primary retail outlets. Certainly, Amazon has both the print and ebook versions easily available, and I would love for you to check it out. If you're not sure where to go, just go to the book header at the top of the homepage, patentmcdowell.com, and you will find easy to click icons to book retailers such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple Books. And for those of you that are Audible listeners, uh, you're in luck. We're working on that version right now, so stay tuned for that release later this spring. I'm really grateful for the support for the book already, and I hope you'll find it to be what early reviews suggest, a practical guide to nonprofit leadership giving you clear action items, worksheets, and coaching advice to help you wherever you are on your leadership journey in this sector. If you're listening to this episode as it's released in March of 2022 and you hurry, I've got a 99-cent ebook special going to celebrate the release of the book, and I'm giving free copies of the print version to the first 15 purchasers of the ebook who also leave a review. So check that out if you are interested. I'd certainly be grateful for your support, not just getting a copy, but yes, leaving a review so we can get the word out to even more individuals who, like you, are on the path to nonprofit leadership, and we can continue to build a global community focused on just that. Now, I'm grateful to have a returning guest Ken Fuquay, join me in this episode as a guest host to talk about many of the leadership topics that I lift up in the book. Now, Ken is the president and CEO of Lifespan here in North Carolina, which is empowering children and adults across the state that have disabilities through fantastic programming. You really need to check out Lifespan. In fact, if you want to learn more about Ken and Lifespan, go back to episode number 121, one of the most popular episodes we've had all time, where Ken talks about his journey, leadership lessons, and great takeaways and advice that are also relevant to the topic of nonprofit leadership. I think you'll see here in a moment that Ken rivals another former guest host that we had, and his name was Chris Delicio of Florida Atlantic University, who helped me co-host the 100th episode of this podcast. He did a fantastic job, and you can learn more about Chris by going way back to episode number 24, one of the early guests to this podcast, and learn some of the lessons that Chris shared with this same audience. Now, as you listen to this conversation between Ken and myself, you're going to get an inside look at my approach to the book and some of the tools that can help you with your leadership development plan right now. That was, in fact, my goal, to assure that this book provided practical takeaways to, frankly, three distinct types of nonprofit leaders. So whether you are an emerging leader, maybe coming right out of school or early in your nonprofit professional track, or maybe you're a mid-career professional that has hit a plateau in trying to determine what you need to do next to climb further along the ladder to senior leadership in the sector. 
Or finally, maybe you're considering a lateral move from the for-profit sector into nonprofit leadership and trying to figure out if your skills and experience will indeed transfer. So hopefully you're going to find that this is more than theory and speculation, but there are seven distinct stops along the path to nonprofit leadership, and each one of them in the book have worksheets, exercises, and, and literal takeaways that will help you plan your professional development for the next 12 months. Well, hopefully that gets your attention, and without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Ken Fuquay about your path to nonprofit leadership. Ken, thank you for joining me on the path. It's good to be here, Patton, and it's good that the tables are turned. I get to be on this side of the mic with you today. I'm both excited and nervous, but grateful <laughs> for your partnership on this podcast collaboration. And thank you, seriously, for all you're doing for the sector. You had a wonderful episode on this podcast before, and I'm delighted to hand the mic to you and welcome your questions and conversation. Ah, Pat, that's good. And I appreciate you playing along. All right. I do have some questions for you. You know, when I'm looking at your book and looking particularly like, like at the last page and your bio, and I'm thinking about the many titles and labels that you carry, son, husband, dad, brother, entrepreneur, postgraduate degree holder, master trainer, doctor, business owner, program director, boss, consultant, Moorhead scholar, <laughs> vice chancellor, certified fundraiser, Tar Heel graduate. But now, Patton, you get to add to that list the label of author. You wrote a book. I mean, tell me about that. What's that sensation of birthing this book? When did you recognize and realize that you had this book in you? Tell me about that. That's a great question. I guess it's something I pondered for a decade. And it's as a result of the wonderful interaction I've had with nonprofit leaders throughout my career. I'm very grateful for that. And the stories, the lessons, the insight, the wisdom um, you know, just has created in my head uh, a series of ideas that I've tried to translate into the work we do with nonprofit organizations. So the book has been there, you know, like I said, for over 10 years, but it was about two years ago that I finally decided I need to start writing this down. And so that was, and I, you know, you said it well, it's a cliche. All authors say it is similar to kind of a birthing process, I guess. Um, but for me, I thought, all right, well, I'll knock this out in six months or so. And sure enough, two <laughs> years later, I'm finally able to put something out there. Awesome, indeed. And when, when you were answering that question, Patton, you mentioned that you got to work closely with some leaders in the nonprofit sector. And I, I just, this is a side note before we dive into the content of your book. But when you stand next to giants like Eunice Kennedy Shriver or Hugh McCall, what is something you heard them say or watch them do that has really been foundational for your path and your journey? Eunice Kennedy Shriver is where I always start. I was grateful for an opportunity, frankly, by chance to intern with Special Olympics International during my junior and senior year of college. So twice was able to work in D.C. and see the founder of that organization in action. Wow. And one of the fundamental stories or concepts she was so adamant about was listening to the people you serve. And I'll still remember that less because I saw it in action. She uh, created a movement to serve those that frankly had not before then been given the opportunities, uh, individuals with intellectual disabilities. She gave them a voice and she was adamant about, especially when we were amongst the athletes, you listen to them first 
And I saw firsthand what she would do if a parent, a volunteer, even a celebrity would try to speak for the athlete. She would shut them off, cut them off, shut them off, shut them down. And I've always been struck by that, that we as nonprofit leaders, sometimes we think we know the answer. We want to speak for those we serve. And Mrs. Shriver would be like, no way, let them talk and let's make sure we're hearing it directly. So that is a, a lesson that, Ken, I guess I've taken 30 years later. Well, that is so powerful to listen to the ones we serve. Indeed. Hey, Patton, I fancy myself a wordsmith, all right, because I love language. I think words matter. And I think titles of books are important. Okay, you can't judge a book by its cover, but I think the title has to say something. And you chose your path to nonprofit leadership. So for me, the word path carries some nuances of, I mean, like um, bushwhacking through the jungle (laughs) or it's a footpath. And sometimes you could go left, sometimes a little right. There might be a divot in it. There might be a tree limb across the path. There might be a creek in the way, but you chose the word path because it kind of best suits what you're talking about. So tell me, talk to me about path. Why, why a path toward leadership? Why not the guide to leadership? Why not the highway or the road to nonprofit leadership? Why is it a path? Yeah, I don't, a path to me kind of takes a more singular journey. Uh, while we're always, uh, you know, with other people and often in our careers, um, it's an individual path. And to me, that that visual of walking down a path alone is sometimes what it feels like to be a nonprofit leadership. Now, we're going to find other people on the path too, but I guess versus being on a highway or a road or some other transportation mode where there's a lot of people around you, for me, it's an individual decision and journey. And you said it well, there are stops on the path as opposed to a guide that everything is given to you at once. I think it is very much a process. It's a journey and, and walking to me kind of represents the pace at which we need to take it. We're not going to be able to absorb it overnight, uh, but we need to be thoughtful about. And, and the book, in fact, elaborates on what I believe are seven stops along that path. But, you know, I pondered, Ken, sometimes the, the circular nature of a path, in other mm-hmm. words, walking up and then back, because these stops are ones you need to revisit. And so I guess that's one kind of clarification I would add to the path. It's it's not like you walk the path and then you're done. You get in your car and, and move on to your CEO job in the nonprofit sector. You need, to, you need to walk this path more than once, in fact, in a continual nature. Got it. Got it. And I, I am uh, fortunate enough to have been able to read through your book and also to experience it through your Masterminds program. So I've been exposed to the facilitation of walking out my path under your leadership, as it were. And I got to tell you, this book is way more, uh, it's, it's, it's not about theories of leadership. I mean, they're in there. But Patton, you've, you're really talking to us in practical ways. Tell me a little bit about that, the practicality of what you're presenting in this book. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you saying that. That was an intent. That while theory is important, and I hope we're all students of philanthropy, and we are going to study the theories of leadership, the theories of philanthropy, and all the elements that I've tried to convey. But I was determined because I felt like the books and programs and courses that most spoke to me provided literal activities to do them and do them better. And so I'm hoping that as as you explore each chapter, it's not just the theory 
of setting your kind of vision, your vision framework for nonprofit leadership. But literally, there's a worksheet attached to that that will help pose these questions to you so you can walk through them one by one and consider where you want to go on this path. Understanding that you may not have all the answers. None of us do. Mm -hmm. especially when we're early on, but I'm hopeful that each chapter provides that kind of guidance so that someone can get a grasp of this, but then also have something to do. And in fact, at the very end of the book, I try to put it into a literal plan. And of course, you and I've talked about too, hopefully encouraging people to take advantage of a personal planning retreat. So not just kind of think about that when the book is done, but literally plan a weekend away where you can put some of these plans into action and activate your path to nonprofit leadership. Yeah, Patton. So when you're talking about that, um, who who do you perceive to be the consumer of this? Is it, is it somebody who already sits in a nonprofit leadership role? Who, who, who are you targeting here? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've, I've had three audiences or individuals is the better way to put it in mind. Uh, there's an enormous number of what I'm calling emerging leaders, young professionals that are entering the field of nonprofit leadership. You know, Ken, I just realized uh, recently that there are 300 plus university programs in nonprofit management, leadership, or philanthropy right now. So it's an enormously growing field, which indicates the universities know that there has to be a demand for this. So the emerging leader is coming into our sector. So I'd love for this book to be a guide for that person that is right now in class, getting that undergraduate or graduate degree in nonprofit leadership and give them a path to now get into the nonprofit world and and start their career. Um, The second audience I have in mind is so many you and I talk to talented professionals, what I'd call mid-career professionals that have been in the space. They know it, they like it, they believe in the mission, but they also aspire for opportunities at senior leadership. And so I hope this book might provide them a guide to, all right, what do I do now? You know, maybe I've hit the ceiling at the organization at which I'm working now. What do I do to move up or maybe move across uh, our community, across our sector into a different organization, uh, into a leadership role? And then finally, there's an increasing number. And of course, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but the great resignation that the pandemic has brought to us, there are a lot of folks from the for-profit sector reevaluating their career path. And I would call them lateral entries into our nonprofit field. So I'm hoping the book might add value for someone like that, who says, you know what, I wonder if my skills are transferable, but I'm not sure. Well, perhaps this book will give them uh, a guide to evaluate where they are and what they need to do to be more uh, suited and ready for nonprofit leadership. Got it. And how about current leaders? I mean, somebody already sitting in the CEO seat. Well, I, I think they, in fact, and you're a great example of that, having had the senior uh, experience you brought to your journey. But you're, of course, exactly the kind of person I want to talk to because you're a lifelong learner and you want to get better. And whether it's in your current seat, which is fine. In other words, I don't mean this book to suggest people should leave their jobs. In fact, it can also be a guide to help a current executive director simply be more effective in their role and hopefully more rewarded in their work. But the other point I would make, Ken, is that I think this book could be suited for the current leader is you need to be sensitive to all three of those categories of talent that is emerging right now. Indeed. Indeed. What are you doing? 
to to attract and retrain, uh, retain the emerging leader, the mid-career professional, and or the lateral entry. Yeah, I'm surprised at how large this sector is and how it's growing. Somebody the other day said in Mecklenburg County alone, Patton, there were 26,000 nonprofits. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I didn't research it to validate it, but this sector is huge. And and growing. You're exactly right. And, so, and it, yes. And sometimes I don't think people, I'm, I'm glad to hear that the universities are seeing the need, but I think a lot of times people don't see nonprofit leadership as a legitimate career path, That's but it a, is. Such a good point. And I faced that myself when I first came back from my Special Olympics internship. And while there was appreciation, there was a bit of a pat on the head kind of response. Well, good for you, Pat, and you did some of that work. But now when yeah. are you going to get a real job? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I did have a real job. This is real work in our sector, but I think it's it, it, hopefully it's increasingly appreciated. But I think a lot of people still treat the third sector as, as, as if it were um, as you know the, the the stepchild instead of a legitimate professional path. Yeah, nice nice little thing there that you do, um, and, and right. I think you talk about right. too early in your book. Um, that there are people who are, um, they're attached to nonprofits in some way because they're giving, uh, they're volunteering every now and then. But this book has the potential for them to suddenly see this as I can do more than just go volunteer once a month. I can do more than just give a hundred bucks every year. I really could have, I really could have some transformative change in this sector by becoming a leader. Absolutely. And I hope it's personally transformative, but I also want to make sure someone like that is aware of what they're getting into. Because again, you and I know that often there's well-intentioned, perhaps this is the lateral entry category, well-intentioned about what they want to do and perhaps even change the world, but they need to understand this is complex, difficult work in this third sector. And so I hope that there will be illustrations in the book that make that clear and so someone who is pondering such a career move will be clear what they're getting into. And, and again, as you pointed out, the need for leadership is only getting more uh, expansive. You know, there are 12.5 million people in the nonprofit sector now, but it's growing at a faster rate than most of the for-profit sectors in the United States. So the need for leadership is only getting uh, more acute. When we talk about that leadership, and, and you mentioned this, you espouse that it's not only critical for a leader of a nonprofit organization to know her sector, but it's important for her to be exposed to and understand the nonprofit sector as a whole. As a matter of fact, here's what you say. <laughs> While it is easy to keep your head down and focus on the task directly related to your nonprofit, your organization needs you to stay abreast of issues that face your sector your community, and the different constituents that you serve. Why is that important? Exactly. Well, it's, it's a changing landscape. And unfortunately, when we are overworked and understaffed and under-resourced, I get it in this sector. It's, it's easier sometimes to keep your head down and just try to get through tomorrow and accomplish the goals of your organization right now. But the fact is that targets are moving around you and you need to understand what's going on in your community. You need to understand what's going on in your sector. You need to understand how the government and the economic conditions affect the, the, the organization and its mission. Uh, because if you're not looking at it, no one else in the organization will. 
And so I feel like we have to be students of all these factors. And as you mentioned, the book would suggest kind of uh, what I call curating knowledge. In other words, identifying what you need to know and then coming up with a plan to learn it because these things will sneak up on you. And you need to, as a nonprofit leader, not just understand the silo in which you're working, but are there other organizations in town serving the same population as you? Are there other organizations across the state, across the country that you could learn from and in fact accomplish your mission more effectively? Yeah, so let me talk about that for a moment with you. I'm, a, You know, I'm a huge fan of education and lifelong learning and always expanding one's fund Indeed. of knowledge. You talk about the academic enrichment in your book. What exactly is it that academic enrichment does for us as leaders? Well, you know, if nothing else, it provides you uh, ideal versions of your own organization and perhaps even of yourself. I think the academic enrichment, the willingness to study excellence is what I'm encouraging. I, and at every stop along my career journey, I've always asked people within the organization, within the sector, who are considered the best in our field. I want to meet them. I want to learn from them uh, because I think that always kind of creates new ideas, sets the bar a little bit higher. And if we aren't active in that networking and as you say, in that learning, it's just easy to kind of plateau. And I think that just diminishes our motivation and it limits what we can do. And I believe we owe it to our organization to get better. You know, our organization needs the talent that exists within it to operate at its highest level. And so to me, educational enrichment is one way to do it. Experiential learning is another way to do it. And we talk about, as you know, in the book and in our mastermind program, strategic networking. And that yes. is also part of this process. Yeah, I've always loved to, um, this is a side note, on all of your po podcasts, uh, the guests that you have, you'll ask them to drop their three or four books that they're, they're currently reading. And, and it becomes a resource page for us, uh, which is so strong because we can't, I just don't see that we can stop learning anyway. And you've, right, you've said right, that. Right. In the book, and I find this interesting, Patton, you talk about, career defining opportunities is it do we know those when they occur <laughs> or is it possible to discern that that's a career defining opportunity can you chat with me about that for a moment it's so funny you say that and of course i'm not sure you ever know for certain what life is going to bring to you one of the elements of the vision framework exercise early in the book that I'm encouraging is at least try to determine those known elements that you're going to uh, kind of deal breakers, if you will, in terms of opportunities, so that when opportunities arrive, and they will, I tell this to every nonprofit leader with which I work, you're going to have opportunities. Uh, whether you're ready for them or not is up to you. And, and you just need to do the best you can. And that's why that exercise gets into things like, would you move for the right opportunity? You know, it, it's an exercise you need to think about. Some people say, no, I've got commitments to family, to other things in this community. That's fine. Then at least you have parameters with which to work. Uh, do you, would you consider a different sector within the nonprofit community? You're in education now. Would you consider healthcare? You know, posing those questions early, I think, can helps get at your question, which is how do you know when the right opportunity comes up? My hope is that folks that read this book will at least have a framework of what is within their aspiration. And then maybe when something arrives that doesn't fit, they'll be more uh, able to respond and say, you know what, now's not the time. 
you know, because sometimes those opportunities do arrive and they're like, wow, that's attractive, a little more salary. Maybe I should make the jump, but I'm encouraging folks to step back and remember all of their vision framework so that they can make an informed decision. Yeah. So powerful. The vision framework, the 10 skills, uh, the strategic networking and personal board, the personal retreat. These are all guideposts or points that you drop on the path. Uh, and you've talked a little bit right there about the vision framework. Give us a little cliff note version of the 10 skills, the strategic networking, the personal board, and one of my favorites, the personal retreat. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, I hope we're not going to uh, avoid the personal retreat because that is fundamental to this process. But yeah, thank you, Ken, for lifting up those areas. And I hope, again, that they reinforce your earlier question, which is I want to give folks practical tools to get their wheels turning, to, to encourage their thinking strategically and even tactically. And so the 10 skills worksheet, for example, is in essence a self-assessment. I believe there are 10 essential skills and experiences for successful nonprofit leadership. And, and that's subject to debate and discussion, which to me is fine. I just want to get someone to think about where they are now. And, and these 10 skills and experiences are not surprises. There, there are things like strategic thinking and financial acumen and public speaking and communication, uh, knowledge of your sector and so forth. What I'm encouraging, though, is not just a quick scorecard, but a, a thoughtful evaluation of each and then a distinction between, hey, I'm good at that. I'm skilled at this area. Then my question to you is going to be, all right, how do we build on it? If it is a skill, let's build on it. If it is an area of weakness that I need to work on, then let's talk about how to do that too. But that whole exercise, I hope, provides a variety of opportunities for someone to both uh, expand their skills and also address their uh, weaknesses, if you will. My hope is that is to be successful, I think you've got to be competent in all 10 and, yep. and excellent in a third of them. And so that's just one example of an exercise the book will encourage but you mentioned some other strategic networking I get into a lot. And I think it's more than just, again, going to after work socials now that as the pandemic loosens up, that we can finally get back out in front of people, but yeah. being thoughtful about that. Who are you going to connect with and how? And then the personal board of directors is something, Ken, I've utilized for 15 years. And it, again, is an intentional networking activity that gets beyond just casual conversation. But if I need to learn more about governmental relations in my sector, I need to have somebody on my personal board who brings that expertise. And I think we all within our network have those resource individuals out there. We have to be thoughtful and, and considerate in the outreach. But that's what I get into in the book is how to do that and how to then maintain a relationship that can absolutely lift you to the next level. Yeah. Several times, actually many times in your book, you talk about conducting a self-analysis. It really is a common theme throughout. But I'm intrigued, Patton, by the fact that your self-analysis did not exclude your wife and your family. <laughs> so, you know, as we conduct these self-analyses, these self-assessments, and we attempt to map our course, we can't forget the other stakeholders who are tethered to us, can we? I mean, so talk about that for a moment, if you will that peripheral vision that we have to have when we do self-assessments. Yeah, I'm so glad you bring that up because um, it's, again, cliche to talk about the work-life balance, but that balance is critical and, and it depends on wherever we are, our family units, 
um, we need to bring that into uh, consideration. And so I was hopeful that the book and many of these exercises would encourage a conversation with your partner, with your family, because your journey is naturally connected to theirs. And, and nonprofit work is in potentially all-consuming. And so if we're not thoughtful about the other collateral impacts of our work, then it's all going to come crash and burn anyway. And so I'm hoping that while you want to, as an individual, look at your journey, you do have to consider those others involved. And, and for me and my wife, Cindy, again, it was a wonderful collaboration. We met through the Special Olympics organization. So we yeah. started in this field together. And so I guess it's not surprising. <laughs> we were naturally aligned. But we need to maintain that conversation because as we've gone in different directions, uh, in different communities and so forth, uh, it's always important to tie those family and close friends and associates into this conversation. There's so much wisdom in the book, Patton, and I do think that is one of the strongest points of wisdom is that we do collaborate with other folks Indeed. in our lives and they're part of this journey. An entire chapter is entitled Mapping Your Course. And a lot of us see that and we jump to the conclusion that it's all about seeing where we are and where we want to go. So we're going to map this course out. But you help us understand that in, in acknowledging where we're going, we have to acknowledge our weaknesses. And a lot of us don't want to do that. <laughs> um, that's just not something leadership role folks are into. So tell me a little bit about why it's important in this mapping our course. When we look where we are, where we're going, why the weakness, why we have to identify those. I, I, I don't want a potential weakness to diminish your opportunity to achieve the ultimate success you have in mind. And so in other words, if you're just not comfortable, let's say in fundraising, that, that may inhibit you from achieving the senior role you want in the sector. So instead of maybe using the weakness term, let's talk about it as a challenge. And, and how do we break that down in terms of an educational opportunity using your language, Ken, from earlier? All right, let's break it down. Um, we don't necessarily have to be the fundraising expert as an executive director, for example. We can hire that. But as an executive director, we do need to manage it and we need to understand it. Yep. And I try to break it down. I, I use, as you do, kind of educational illustrations and say, all right, how do we break down a potential, quote, weakness and turn it into an opportunity for learning over the next two years? And so what I'm encouraging through the book and through some of our coaching in the mastermind is think about the next four semesters, uh, if you would break down the next two years into four semesters like you were back in college. Uh. And we're going to create a curriculum to help you get oriented and better comfortable, at least competent in what was initially a weakness, let's again say fundraising. And after two years, you're going to be comfortable, you're going to be more confident, and you could engage a search committee with conversations about, yes, here's how I addressed a quote weakness, a challenge. Now I feel more comfortable and competent. And the other thing I'm trying to do in that kind of mapping your course is break down between the, it's not just now and then the ultimate destination. Let's use different time horizons. David Allen in his fantastic book, Getting Things Done, uses the kind of time horizon concept, which I've embraced. And so we can start thinking about, all right, maybe I want to be an executive director in five years. Well, let's break that down. What do I need to do in one year, three years, four or five years to get there? And 
that gives me time to address, Ken, the, the question you pose, which is if there are areas that are, are potential weaknesses, I've got time to address them. That is what I love about this book, Patton. Um, I interact with some folks from time to time who will verbalize where they want to be. But when I uh, witness their behavior, they're not doing anything to move them in that direction. But yes. this book says, be purposeful, be thoughtful. Here's a path that's been bushwhacked by Patton McDowell, sort of. Um, and you can get there. I love that mapping the course part. Will you play a game with me right here? Absolutely. All right. So there's so much needful wisdom in the book. I'm going to point out two of my favorite insights that I'm living with right now, that I'm resonating with me and that are working on me. Okay. And then if you want to play along, I'd like for you to give me your two from this book right now that you're resonating with. You want to comment on mine? That's fine. I can comment on yours. The first one for me falls under digital decluttering rituals. <laughs> uh, and it's being proactive about my calendar. For some yeah. reason, my calendar management, I felt like the whole world owned my calendar because I'm the yes. leader and that they could just take it and use it. But what I've learned from this book is that calendar is mine and I'm the one to manage that calendar. And I have to be purposeful about saving time for me on that calendar. That is gold for me at the moment. And I want to thank you for that in this book. Delighted because that was a, it took me a while to learn that lesson, but it pays off. Doesn't it, Ken? It sounds like you're seeing it. It does pay off. It's like, you got to put your mask on first before you can help your child. Yes. The second piece of wisdom right now that's really working on me and my innermost being is really creating true community, not just the cultural trap of, getting likes and clicks from my organization or me on Facebook, but it's creating that community of folks who bring information to me. So that's hugely powerful for me right now. Nice. So thank you for that. Yep. So I shared my two. What two are you living with out of your path to nonprofit leadership? Yeah, I love that. And in fact, the calendar question remains one that I'm sensitive to and have not yet uh, arrived at my destination. Uh, I think I'm getting better at it. That's why it's a path. Yeah, exactly. In fact, and you recall, one of my favorite books is called The Power of Full Engagement, um, which to me was a parallel discussion, I think, for readers and our listeners now to think about. It's not just time management, it's energy management. And so I have found it helps me not just to think about the available times on the calendar, but when am I most productive And this is kind of an ongoing life experiment, but I happen to be most productive in the morning. Now, 20 years ago, I was more of a night owl. So it's funny how the evolution of my productivity has changed. But that's something, Ken, I would say what I'm still wrestling with on the path is, one, making sure my highest value activities are scheduled at a time when I'm at my best. And I fear a lot of our nonprofit friends, as you said, the calendar kind of runs them instead of them running the calendar. And therefore, their most important work is done when they're exhausted. And so I'm trying to be intentional about blocking time. You know, a lot of my guests on the podcast have talked about that. Ken, you and I have blocking those important times, looking ahead instead of waiting for someone to reach out to me and schedule pushing them to schedule, frankly, at a time that's best for me yeah. so that, you know, it's hopefully mutually beneficial, but yeah, I'm trying to control it. Um, the other thing, you know, you mentioned the digital declutter. Um, for me, we talk about in the mastermind program, in the book, the big three, um, being sensitive to my own kind of health and wellness. 
And it's, uh, I, I would say we all deal with the big three and those are diet, sleep and exercise. And I still have not come close to mastering that. <laughs> so my path, maybe I need to be on the path more, in fact, running the path uh, so I can get a little more fitness out of it. But that those will be some examples that I'm still dealing with right now. Yeah, the beauty of that pattern, and that's what this book does, is it helps us recognize and realize and moves us on that path to self-assessment. So it is so rich. There's so much wisdom here for the folks listening. These are just tidbits from it. So Patton, in closing, how do folks get the book? How can we interact with it? What's next? Tell me a little bit more. Well, grateful for that, Ken. Uh, the website, of course, pattonmcdowell.com forward slash book. So go to the website and go to the book page. Uh, as this episode's released, the book is now out. I'm delighted that is in a hard copy as well as kind of ebook Kindle versions. And we're working on an Audible version. So there will be, for those of you who like to consume your content, just like this podcast, uh, through the earbuds, uh, this book will, in fact, later this spring of 2022, be in um, that kind of Audible version if you want to listen to it. And it will be uh, read by the author himself. Uh, so I'm going to try, try to take advantage of that. But would love to get feedback. Again, Ken, the website and through our various channels, any reader that has comments or questions or ideas, love to hear it. And uh, all of our social media channels are certainly available for that purpose as well. Patton, I appreciate who you are. I appreciate who you caused me to be. And I appreciate you allowing me to sit on this side of the microphone for the last 30 minutes or so. And now I'll turn it back over to you, sir. <laughs> Ken, I'm grateful. You're exactly the kind of leader that we need more of. So thank you for what you're doing at Lifespan, for what you're doing in our sector as a, a friend and colleague to me and so many. I hope folks will get to know you better. You had a wonderful episode uh, as part of this podcast. I'll make sure it's linked in the show notes. And for our listeners, make sure you check out Lifespan and the work Ken and his colleagues are doing there. And I hope to see all of you next time on The Path. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ken as much as I did. And certainly I'm grateful for his thoughtful questions and discussion about nonprofit leadership, which I've tried to address in the book. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode. It's number 148. Just go to the podcast or the news page at patmcdowell.com, and it will take you straight to the book page within our website. And you will see all of the resources you need, links to get you a copy of the book itself. You can also see some of the feedback we've already received about the book. And you'll also see the resources page that uh, has links to some of the worksheets that are part of the reading experience. They're referenced in the book, and they are available for download and immediate use. Well, once again, thank you for contemplating your journey on the path to nonprofit leadership, and I hope the book might become a resource for you and that you will get a copy. And if you do, write an honest review. Help us spread the word about nonprofit leadership, and hopefully this book can be a portal to that exact topic and more conversations that will follow. Uh, if you haven't already followed this podcast, make sure you go to the podcast page at patmcdowell.com, and you'll see the follow button, which, of course, translates to subscribing to the podcast, so you won't miss out on any of our weekly episodes. They come out every Thursday and feature conversations like this one I had with Ken, and now almost 150 others. Thanks again for all that you are doing in this nonprofit sector, especially right now. 
and keep up the good work for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time on The Path.